Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. I, I want to know, have you ever behaved irrationally or made a decision or decision that was really irrational? If so, raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. For those who didn't raise your hand, just shine your halo. That's fine. You're perfect. The rest of us, this is for us as we talk today. If we're honest, we can all make incredibly irrational decisions, right? That just make no sense. At the time, we think that makes sense, but, but we, they don't make sense. And I know I make those same type of decisions, and it's in all different areas of my life. There's different phases of my life I go through. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't care about how I eat. Other times I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy. And that's a, like, okay, I got to get my act together. And, and, and that'll last a few days or, or maybe a few weeks. And then my, you know, my sister-in-law uh, comes down the mountain, brings me chocolate chip cookies, or actually I see Jenna over there, or Jenna brings me chocolate chip cookies. Holy cow, Jenna, your, your containers are still standing on my dresser, and I even noticed they have dust on top now. I will get them to you. Okay, I'm saying that in front of everybody. I'll get them to you so you can fill them back up. So um, <laughs> they're still sitting there. They literally are, right? As I'm working on my sermons, I'm like, there's the cookies I need. So Jenna brings me cookies, and they're so amazing, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to do the right thing here. I'm only going to eat two, thinking the right thoughts. And then as I finish those two, what do I do next? Well, one more won't hurt. And then I think, okay, wait, wait, wait. So, well, just one more. You know what? I'm going to work out today, so I'll have another one. And then um, next thing I know, I'm like, gosh, man, they're, they're warm. And so, okay, I'll have another one. And then I open up the second container. And I'm like, well, uh, gosh, I, th- these are just awesome. And you know what? I, I don't get them very often. And sh- I don't return the, the jar so I don't get any more. And so, you know, it doesn't happen very often. So what should I, okay, I might as well just, you know, eat them. Next thing I know, there's only two left. And then I'm like, well, I might as well just finish them off and, and send myself straight to nutrition hell you know, and just do that. And then I finish that, and I'm like, I don't feel right. And why do I do this? And some of you, you get that. Whatever the topic is. Some of you, you know, uh, uh, now or in the past, you were, you know, studying for big tech. You knew you had to study. You knew you had to study a lot all night, all evening. Next thing you know, you find yourself, it's 2 a.m., and all you were doing was, you know, playing video games, Fortnite or something. You're like, why did I do that? I should have been studying. And I'm just playing games. Or maybe you say, you know what? I got to get out of debt. And you know it, and it's bad, and it's not good, and the family's suffering, and you say, okay, it's time. I'm getting out of debt. Dave Ramsey, gazelle intensity. I'm selling everything but the kids. I am living on rice and beans, beans and rice. I'm going all out. And you're in it for weeks, maybe in a few months, but then your favorite store has a 50% off sale. And not only that, you get a coupon for, in the mail for an additional 30% off. And your brain says, well, hold, hold, hold on, uh, Dave, I, I really appreciate what you're helping me with, but it would be irrational if I don't go down, it would be irresponsible if I don't go down and get that item that I've wanted because, heck, it's, Mark, you do the math, 76% off or whatever, 50, you know, and you're like, well, I have to do that. That's the most responsible thing to do, and then you do it, and you look at the bill and like, why did I do that? Why did I go there? You know you should apologize, you get into the conversation and you find yourself doing the opposite. And you're in the middle of the conversation and now you're casting blame and the next thing you know, you're like, this conversation just completely blew up and you're in a massive argument and you had vowed you would never bring that up again. You would never say that again. Why did you do that? 
How often do we know what's right and yet we do what's easy or what's convenient or makes us feel good in the moment but doesn't make us feel good in the long run? Why did I ever think that was a good decision right then in the moment? Why? Because you and I, we've created neural pathways in our brains. And last week we said, the more often we think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. The more you think it, the easier it will be to continue to think that thought. Eventually, that thought or thoughts become really our default way of thinking. And it's great news if we're thinking good thoughts and thinking about good things and wise things. It's not so good if the thoughts are not good thoughts or if they're unwise thoughts and those uh, bad thoughts or unwise thoughts uh, that we start believing in, those become strongholds in our life. Every thought we think is programming our brain. It's training our brain to believe that those thoughts are true, to, uh, true that they're reality, even if they're flawed, misconstrued, or misguided, or even unwise. You can see this real clearly and in a lot of different ways of our life, but you can see it in parental dis- discipline, for example. You're training your child. So those of you who have little kids now, or those of you who have little kids, or those of you who are grandparents and looking back at your kids, or if you're uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, basically applies to just about everybody here. But think back to this. You're training your child each and every day to think thoughts. You're helping them create pathways in their brain. For example, when they're very little, you are uh, initially in the early days, you're training them up. As they're this tall, as you begin to train them up, you're teaching them when to obey you and follow your instructions. You are doing that from the very beginning. I watch so many parents who have taught their kids, when it comes to obedience, they have taught their kids to obey them on the count of three. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been down this path or you've watched others who do this. These children, they know that they don't have to obey or they won't get in trouble until you get to three. I, I, I want you getting into the car. One, two, I'm almost at three. Two and a half. Two and three quarters, three, you get to three and they still don't obey. And then what do you do? You're like, okay, I'm counting one more time. This is the last time. One, two, three. And the kids know. They've watched the countdown. Here's a simple question. If you have taught them that three is when they need to obey or when they'll get in trouble or else, why would they ever obey prior to three? And how could they obey Prior to three, you have created the pathway in their thinking for them that three is the magic point. Three is the point of obedience. Three is the point of I get in trouble. Which is to say, and here's a little parenting tip for those of you who might be in this right now, or you're an uncle, an aunt, a a grandparent who can gently help your kids or whatever, you can bypass all of that crazy, goofy counting stuff. And you can, by the way, first service, a bunch of you were like, man, I wanted to shout amen. I said, well, then shout it, okay? So it's all, you can bypass the crate, and I'm not, this is no uh, knock on those who use this, but I'm telling you, you can bypass all that. You can create a new pathway for your child or children, one that Heather and I did with our kids and so many others have done, and, and, and it's called 
first-time obedience. And what you do, you ask or tell them to immediately respond when you ask for something you want them to do. You start off by having them say, yes, mom, or yes, dad. Um, That's where you start. Then they must immediately respond. If they don't, they then get in trouble right in that very moment. Your lives, your kids' lives, and all of us who are at the grocery store when you have kids' lives will all be better. If you will create new, or you're in line at Disneyland or at the movies or wherever it may be, all of our lives will be better if you help them have new neural pathways where they practice first-time obedience rather than the goofy counting. See, you're helping your kids create pathways in their brain. And the path that you are helping them create, that's the path that they will take. You're training their minds. You're creating neurothought pathways. And it's wonderful news when they're good pathways and good thoughts and focused on truth. It's terrible when they're not good pathways, when they're focused on, when they're focused on lies or something that's you know, not good or, or unwise or misguided. See, what do we know in all of this? We know that we all have this thing going on inside of us with our thoughts, with these pathways. There's a battle, there's a war going on in our minds. And so we're doing this series, Mind Wars, which is based on uh, the content of Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War of Your Mind. And we're doing this because we want to look at practical ways in which you and I can experience victory in our, in, our, in our mind, in our mind battles, our mind wars, so that we can actually have our lives move in the direction that God would have for us and experience the abundant life that Jesus has for us rather than get sidetracked with bad, misguided thoughts or evil thoughts or lies. Paul said this is how you move in the right direction in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He told us, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't be conformed to wrong ways of thinking. He said, but be transformed. How do you be transformed? By by the renewing of your mind. Say renewing. Renewing our mind. You can renew your mind. You can actually change your way of thinking. Because Paul said in the next verse, verse 4, he said, the weapons we fight with in these mind wars, he said, these are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say power. Man, these weapons we have, they have divine power to demolish these strongholds, these wrong thought patterns in our lives. They have the power to demolish these strongholds. Strongholds are the lies, the thoughts that are actually deceiving us and are misguiding us, and are taking us down a wrong path. He goes on and says we can destroy these pathways of lies. Why? Because in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, he says we get to demolish them. We get to crush them. All of these thoughts, all these arguments, all these pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And how do we do it with God's help? He said we take captive every thought. Say thought. Every thought. We take it captive. We make it obedient to Christ. In other words, you can create new paths of truth. 
You can create new paths of truth. You can get off the destructive negative pathways. You can get off that path that is teaching you and leading you down a path of deception and that is lying to you. You can forge a new pathway of truth. It is possible and that truth will ultimately set us free. See, your life and my life, it, we're always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so if you want to actually control what you do, it starts right here, by controlling what we think. And God says, I want to invite you to renew your mind, renew your mind with truth. I love how the Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 4. You can go there if you have a physical Bible or on the YouVersion Bible app. In Philippians chapter 4, he gives us this recipe for experiencing victory in our mind wars. And just to give you a quick context, he, went, he wanted to go to Rome to preach Jesus. Yet he found himself in Rome in a prison awaiting possible execution. And while he's there, he writes this letter to the believers who are in Philippi. And at the end of this little letter that he writes, he gives this incredible word of encouragement to them and to us. And I want to look at this together. And now I want to tell you what he does not say in this letter while he's in prison. He doesn't say to them, oh, I want you Philippians to know, I, man, I am just so discouraged. I'm, so, I'm hurting so much. I never thought this would happen. God, how could you allow this? God, this isn't fair. I'm preaching for you. God, how could you allow me to be in prison? God, this is wrong. God, I don't understand. God, why, why, why? That's not what Paul does. Here's what he said. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Anytime someone says that, that's like, you've been in conversations with people, right? And you're having that conversation and you're talking to them and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. One more thing, right? And anytime that comes up, that's like that, like that, that deep thing in your heart or your soul. You're like, man, I got to make sure I get this out. This is really important. You've been in those conversations. So he's like, oh, yeah, one final thing. And here's what he says. Here it is. So important. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Philippians uh, 4.8 in other translations says, meditate on these things. Think about these things. Fix on these things. Meditate on these things. Fix your thoughts, he says, on God's truth. Think about them. Meditate on God's truth. Now, why does this matter? Because like we keep saying, your life, it's just always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Lisa Turkhurst said this. She said, the mind feasts on what it focuses on. What consumes my thinking will be the making or breaking of my identity. In other words, if a thought comes into our mind, that will come out in our life. So to control what you do, God says it's time to control what you think. Train your mind. Train your mind. Train my mind. In fact, I want everybody to say this. I want to train my mind. Let's all say that, okay, out loud. I want to train my mind. Let's say it. One, two, three. I want to train my mind. One more time. I want to train my mind. And training your mind is a little bit like training your body. Training your body isn't just, you know, working out. You know, as my dad used to say, pumping iron or, or you know, or, 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 you know doing uh, cardio or whatever. It's not just working out. It's also working in. What goes into your body is just as important as what comes out of your body. And I've learned I can go to the gym all day long. I can work out all day long. But until I work 
until I work in my body, until I cut out the junk, the, co- the candy, the chocolate, the cookies, and all that, so, until I cut that out. I just don't get whatever results I'm looking for. And our mind is the same way. For you and I to have a truly healthy mind, it matters what we put into our mind. It matters what we allow into our minds. And Paul says, allow into your mind, put into your mind things that are true and excellent and praiseworthy and positive and lovely and admirable. Then he said, train your mind by developing the discipline of meditation. Think about what you put into it and then train your mind to develop whatever goes into it, to develop the discipline of meditation. Now, Paul isn't talking about new age meditation, where you chant, where you say your ohms, and where you're one with the universe and you empty your mind. That's not a scriptural understanding of meditation. Meditation in the Old Testament uses two Hebrew words. It uses the word hagah and sayach. In the New Testament, it uses the Greek word lagazome, and it means or translates to fix, to dwell, to think about. They all mean the same thing. Simply put, meditation means this. Focus your thoughts. That's what it means. Focus your thoughts. Focus your thoughts. Somebody say focus. Focus your thoughts. Psalm 119, verse 48. The psalmist says, I respect God and love your commandments. I will meditate on your instructions. I got, I'm going to meditate on your instructions. I'm going to focus my thoughts, God, on your ways, on your commandments. God, I'm going to meditate on your will and your way for my life. Psalm 77, verse 12. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. God, I'm thinking about your truth. God, I am thinking about your presence. God, I'm thinking about your goodness. God, I'm thinking about all your incredible works. God, I am meditating on you and who you are and what you do. Biblical meditation, it's not emptying your mind. That's, you know, Eastern meditation. It's the opposite of emptying our mind. It's filling our mind. And it's filling our mind specifically with truth and more specifically with God's truth. Fixing our mind, focusing our mind on truth, thinking about God's truth. Training your mind. It's about what you put into your mind. So how about you and I? Let's focus on what we're putting in, and let's put in that which is true and excellent and lovely and praiseworthy and admirable. And focusing on truth, I can tell you right now, it can be hard at first. It's so much easier to just follow deceptions and lies. That's easy. The devil's a genius at making us believe things. Our enemy makes it easy to try to think things that, which isn't true. It takes some time to focus. But the more we focus on truth, the easier it eventually becomes. Why? Because we're creating new pathways. And the more we think about those truths, the more the deeper the pathway goes and the easier it is to think those thoughts again. It's just like training our physical bodies. Years ago, I tried this program. I watched TV one time and tried this program. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll try that. It's called P90X. Anybody here ever hear of that? Okay, a bunch of you, right? And so I was like, I'm doing P90X. Now, I wasn't in great shape. I was in horrible shape, but I was like, I can do this. How hard can it be? And so um, I go ahead, and the first day, I, you know, I bought the equipment and everything. And so, all right, get out, get out the little... Um, the piece of paper, I'm going to jot down everything I did. All right, plug in the DVD. All right, play. Here we go. Start stretching, warming up, all that kind of stuff. Now we dive in. 
and they got the countdown going on. They have people you're watching. They're encouraging you. They're really cool. And so first thing you do, get down, do push-ups. Do as many push-ups as you can, whatever it is, 30 seconds. So you go, you go, you go, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's it. Now, next thing you know. Uh, now, finish that. Immediately go over. Do as many pull-ups as you can. Okay, uh, one, two. All right, immediately after that, come back. Wider grip, push-ups. Immediately after that, closer grip, pull-ups. Back and forth, push-ups, pull-ups, push-ups, pull-ups. Oh, now we're halfway through. I was like, halfway? What are you talking about? Okay, now, second half, they add in curls. And so now you're curling. Push-ups, pull-ups, curls, push-ups, pull-ups. And if you've ever gone from not working out with weights to one day saying, I'm just going cold turkey, I'm going all in, how does that go? (laughs) What happens to your body? You start shaking, right? Like your body, just like your whole body's shaking. You sometimes, if you do it, you still, you want to throw up. And, and, and so I, I finish this workout an hour later and I add up, I count how many, you know, push-ups and pull-ups I did. And I was like, oh, I only did like 10 pull-ups total in that whole hour. Oh, I only did like 80 push-ups the whole hour. That's it. I mean, it was terrible. And I'm like, I just want to give up. But here's what I discovered. The more I trained... The more that I stuck with it, the more I could keep going. Don't miss that. The more you stick with something, that's the neural pathways, the more you can keep going. And you can eventually do more. We've talked about habits before, starting, you know, with simple habits. And if you have a basic habit and you just start doing it, it eventually becomes easier to kind of go further and further in that habit. It's the same concept. And eventually I found myself going, you know what, if I want to do another 10 push-ups, I can do another 10 push-ups. I want to do another two pull-ups, I can do another pull-ups. And eventually I did more and more and more and more. And then I finished and looked at how many I did, and, and it was a lot. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I got up to doing that many pull-ups and that many push-ups. But here's the, sp- here's the point. I stuck with it. I focused. I stuck with it, and eventually I could do more and more and more. And as I stuck with it, it became easier and easier just to get up and just do the routine, whether I felt like it or not, because it was now part of my rhythm. It was a neural pathway I had forged and created in my brain. So how do you train your mind? Not just working out our bodies, but working out our mind. How do we do that same training so that it gets easier and easier and easier? How do we, uh, do our tra- how do we train ourselves so that it's just ne- it's what we do? We don't do anything else before we you know, physically work out. We don't do anything else before we, you know, we train our mind. So how do we train our mind? First, uh, it's just crucial. It is crucial to be in God's word. And I encourage you, read your Bible every day. Here's why. You are surrounded by lies and deception each and every day. Every time you turn on the news, there's a whole bunch of lying going on. Talk to your kids, hear some of the stuff that they're teaching nowadays. You're like, man, they're being filled with lies. Lies are all around you. So how about we combat that with truth, with God's truth? Just a chapter, a couple chapters a day. Psalm chapter 1, the psalmist says, He delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. Reflects, he focuses, he meditates he, on, on God's word day and night. Every year I do something a little different with my quiet times and devotional times. This year I just happen to be doing just Bible reading. And so I'll, I'll read a, a chapter or two or three of the New Testament every day, and then I'll also read um, 
uh, from Proverbs every day. And I'll read the proverb of that day of the week. So, for example, this day of the week, it was, uh, or today is the fifth, and so this morning I read Proverbs 5. So let me tell you how it went. And uh, it was talking about immoral women and all that kind of stuff, so not relevant to our sermon today. But, but there was one part that grabbed me. And, and, and this was interesting because it related to our message. And it says this, Proverbs 5, 21, it says, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. I was like, huh, that's interesting. That actually ties into this idea of what we're talking about. So the first thing we do is we train our mind. And how do we train our mind? We're in the word. We're in the word. We're in the word. The second thing we do is we focus our mind for just a few minutes on the scriptures we've read. So in this case, I I would take this verse and I would focus on it. I'd read it a couple times. For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. And part of this, I'm going to focus on, you know, everything I read. And then on the third thing is I'm praying, God, what is it that you want me to grab a hold of today? And as I was looking through, you know, in this case, Proverbs, you know, I don't, I don't need the, you know, promiscuous woman part today. I'm good. You know, I don't need that part and, and all that. But, but you know what? This part, it makes sense. This is, I'm praying, and this is what God's grabbing me with. Okay, so I'm going to read. I'm going to focus. And then I'm going to pray about and ask God to say, what part do I want to hold on to today? And so this verse would be for me, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. So I'd be thinking, okay, God is watching me. God is seeing my path. God focuses on what I do. He knows the paths I'm taking. He knows the path I'm taking in my mind. God, you see what I'm thinking. And so God, I surrender it to you. God, I give it to you. God, I want my path to be a path today that that focuses on you and truth. See, all that begins to just happen and you start talking and praying to God and it becomes part of your day and then you kind of have the pray without ceasing because your mind is thinking about God's examining my path today and you're driving your car and somebody you know screeches in front of you and you're like okay God's examining my path what path am I going to take he's examining me all right here's how I want to handle this train our minds train our minds be in God's word focus on it focus on it and then ask God to reveal what part should do you does he want you to hold on to that day Training our body is important. It absolutely is. Training our mind is critical. And from a scientific point of view, that's creating new pathways. From a scriptural point of view, it's letting God renew our mind. It's letting God fill us with his truth as we embrace his truth, as we focus and meditate on that which is true and excellent and praiseworthy and honorable. So, Let's, for the next few minutes, let's apply this to what we talked about last week. And last week, we, we said that uh, we wanted you to identify what strongholds, what lies have been holding you back. And hopefully you did that. You picked a lie, what's been holding you back. And then we said we want you to not only identify the lie, then we want you to identify the truth that combats that lie. All right, what have I been believing that isn't true? All right, what is God's truth that combats that lie? Now, next step, how do we train our mind with that? Okay, I I, I know what the lie is. I've identified the truth. Now, here's what we want you to do. And some of you have never done this, but I want to encourage you to take this step. There is power in this. Identify it. Identify the lie. Identify the truth. Write down the truth. Here's the training part. You ready? Write it down. Some of you have never done it. Some of you are just kind of listening to me, and you're just, you know, I know you're listening, but you're kind of already saying I'll never do that. I want to encourage you to do it. 
Write it down. Some of you, that's what you do. You know, it's in your car, it's on the mirror, uh, in your bathroom, it's, you know, it's on the kitchen. That's, you know, your house has truth all over it. But some of you never done this. Write it down. Write it down. And then focus on it. Meditate on that truth. Okay, God, I'm giving you that truth. I'm focusing on it. And then I'm going to declare that truth out loud until I believe it. Write it. Focus on it. And declare it out loud until I believe it. Write it down. Declare it or or focus on it, on what it's saying, and meditate on it. Think about it. And then declare it out loud until you actually believe it. There's power in writing it down. There's power in speaking the truth out loud. And when you do that, you will create new neural pathways in your brain and you will find that you'll have, be much more successful at experiencing victory in these mind wars. What is your declaration of God's truth for you? I don't know what it is. I know God does. So I want to invite you to take a few minutes every day, every single day, speak truth, allow God, to move in your mind to create new pathways of truth. So write it, declare it, or focus on it and declare it until you believe it. Your life always moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So let's go in the direction of truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we pray, God, that your truth would set us free. God, I ask that you would help us to focus on you, focus on your truth. God, so many of us, we've been beaten down by the fears and the anxiety. But God, your word says you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. And so God, we want to write that down. We want to focus on it and we want to declare it until we believe it. God, so many of us struggle with identity and self-worth and not feeling good enough or measuring up. God, help us to write down and to focus and declare on your truth that our identity is in Christ. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That you have given us your spirit. And God, you have given us the opportunity to experience victory, that you're faithful to us. God, some of us just keep struggling with some sin or temptation. But God, we come before you, we declare that you are faithful. God, we t- declare that, as your word says, even if we're tempted, you will not be allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. God, help us identify the lie, to know the truth, to write it down. God, to f- just fill our minds with that truth, focus on it, and declare it. We want to experience victory in our, in our lives, God. We want to live the life you've called us to. Help us in that journey, God. God, we pray for renewed minds in this mind war. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.